have four slides, only four for the night. And so we're going to meditate on a good amount of a particular part of scripture in the Psalms. Um, I really wrestled with like what tonight was supposed to be um, about, what the Lord wanted. And we were kind of in the section where we've skipped over some important things, but I believe that the Lord will still plug those things in. And he's the one that's leading and guiding us. And so we just need to go with it. Um, you know, and it's precept upon precept. So we don't have to feel like, even though we've missed some stuff, that the Lord isn't going to give us another time to come back and unpack it later, because we're going to continue to go through the word year after year, Lord willing. Um, and so tonight I was thinking about, you know, kind of um, backing into Kings um, and a little bit of Second Samuel, just as we've come out of those books. Um, just to sort of make sure we didn't miss some important groundwork, but we did it last year and most of you have been on. And so that might be the reason that the Lord had another idea for us tonight. And I really do believe because I was praying and seeking him. And so we're going to be focusing on a couple of Psalms, um, Psalm one in particular, Psalm, uh, 22 and, um, and, and a little bit in the new Testament and then Psalm 26, and then um, we'll just see how the Lord will lead our conversation, um, whatever it might stir in your heart. So I'm going to put up some scripture on the screen. So let me get that up. So it's true that every one of us should be respected as a person. Um, we are all in the same category as human beings, but we aren't all in the same category. And, you know, that can be very offensive to our natural reasoning, but it's the Bible that splits the human race right down the middle. And it tells us that there are two kinds of people and that the gulf between these two groups is very wide and deep, and it can only be crossed by supernatural power. There are a lot of people that don't like the Bible because they think that it paints too black and white of a, of a picture of human nature. And God's word, it does categorize and the reason why that's offensive to natural reason is that by our own understanding, um, you know, of people, we all think that we shouldn't be divided into two groups. But God, with his understanding, not looking at the outside of people, how they dress or the color of their skin, but looking at their hearts, can see only two kinds of people in the world. And he tells us, you know, blessed is the man. And we know that it means man or woman, but it says man, the person, but the scriptures in the New King James and the King James say, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in, in its season whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. In Psalm 1 to 3, we see God's definition of a saint you know, which is a righteous person. And on the other hand, in verses four to six, God describes and defines the wicked, the sinner. 
And that's what we see is really just God's way of looking at it. You're either a saint or a sinner, and there's nothing in between. And so you're either righteous or wicked in God's sight, which means that we either belong to the sheep or to the goats, either to the wheat or to the tares, um, the wise or to the foolish virgins, the good or the bad fish. This is what the scriptures show us plainly. Jesus was constantly dividing people into two groups. So it's not surprising to learn that there are only two ways of life, that you either live in the way of the righteous or you live in the way of the wicked. And so there's a narrow way, scripture tells us in Matthew, Jesus told us about the narrow way that leads to life and a broad way that leads to death, and there's nothing in between. But that is huge because it's a huge cause of offense for people because they don't want to be divided that way. It's just plain and simple. People don't like it. It's a hard truth that we're all walking one way or the other. And verse six reminds us of those two ways. And so I want you to consider why does the book of Psalms begin with this great division of people? Well, I believe it's saying this, until you face the reality of someone, then none of the other Psalms are going to be of any use to you. Until you've decided which side of the picture that you're on, you don't really need to go into the later Psalms or you might draw some sort of false comfort from them because you first have to decide which road you're traveling on. Do I belong to the righteous in God's sight or the wicked? If I belong to the wicked, then frankly, none of the other Psalms will apply to me. They're not for me to use. They can't, they can't comfort me. You might think of um, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, but he's not your shepherd unless you belong to verses one to three of Psalm one or Psalm 90, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations, but he's not your dwelling place unless we belong to the righteous. So Psalms begins by telling us to get this settled before we look any further um, into the scriptures, really, about the two kinds of people and ask which one that you are. And then you can move forward into the rest of the Psalms. So let's look at the life of the righteous. God is saying, this is the person, this is the man who is really to be congratulated. This is the person who's going to have a good life, essentially. A person who's discovered, essentially, the secret of real living. So what is the secret of a life that's worth living? The first thing that's described is negative, really. It's full of knots. The first secret of a righteous life and a blessed life is to learn to say no. That's really hard. It's, hard. it's been hard for me to learn to say no, but I've learned that that is wisdom and it's godly counsel to learn boundaries and to learn how to say no, um, to not do the ungodly things, how to walk away from those things that the world will entice us into. We've got to learn how to say no. And so it requires great strength of character to do that, to be alone, basically, to be prepared to be different, prepared not to just be like a fish that's um, swept along with the tide of social norms, but to be someone who says, here I stand and I won't compromise on what the word of the Lord says. That doesn't mean you won't mess up from time to time, but it means that you're going to continue to come back and gravitate towards the truth of God's word and his ways and the way he's called us to live. And when we do mess up, his mercies are new every morning. Praise the Lord. And so we, we pick, we, we, we brush ourselves off and pray to the Lord for forgiveness and 
And he walks with us. He doesn't forsake us and we get to start again, but we stay on that path. And we need to dare to be like Daniel's. Well, not Daniel's, but Daniel, um, which you know we know means to stand alone if necessary against the tide of culture. You know, we need to be prepared to say no to the society that is rushing past us on this broad way that leads to destruction. And so I want us to consider the steps of a godly person. All of us get to these places in our life where we need some advice, you know, and we're meant to help each other in that way. You know, we're meant to give advice to one another. So we might go to someone and explain our problems and we will be seeking some guidance on steps that maybe we should take. You know, we just want another set of eyes or an opinion on what's happening because maybe we can't see outside of the forest for the trees. But it's very important that we go to the right person for advice. The world is full of advice and most of it's bad. Just a few of the sayings that I can think of that the world might give us, and I'm sure you've got some that you can think of as I even make that comment, but do your best and leave the rest. Don't worry, it may never happen. A little worry won't do you any harm. Don't let your conscience dictate to you. Don't be narrow-minded or old-fashioned. It's fine. Everyone's doing it. The world will whisper, nobody will know. That's the kind of advice that comes from the wrong people. And the second thing, you know, it tells us, nor stands, the godly person doesn't stand in the way of sinners. This is something more than just stepping in their advice. It's hanging around with them. You can tell a lot about a person by the company that they keep. Birds of a feather flock together. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. Who you hang around with may rob you of your blessedness. Sooner or later, you'll find that if you go on hanging around with sinners, it's not long before you basically become infected with some of the same outlooks that they have. Who you hang around with is important. And we see this all through scripture. So, Blessed is the person who's learned, first of all, not to take steps according to the advice of worldly wise men. Um, secondly, blessed is the person who doesn't hang around with those who don't know God. And thirdly, blessed is the person who doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, this goes even further into talking about our godless society to you know, walk their way is one thing, to hang around with them is another, but to sit down in the seat uh, of the scoffers is the third step of involvement with a godless society. The Bible is telling us blessed is the person who does not do it. It means to sit down and joke with them. And have you noticed how often that jokes tend to, especially, I mean, I guess predominantly with the ungodly, they tend to center on sacred things. They, they find it quite funny. Um, so coming back to my original point, we see that um, the person that the Bible is describing has the strength of character to say, no, I won't go where you're going to go. You know, I'm not going to hang around where you hang around. I'm not going to sit and scoff at the things of God with you. You know, this is a person that has learned to say no. And so, you know, with that, that's certainly going to cut us off from a lot of pleasure. 
I've found that to be true in my own life. It's definitely different than it used to be. And it might not make you feel so good sometimes. You might feel like a social misfit because you can't really join in on the same fun that you used to like everybody else. You know, but where does that person, the godly person, find delight? You know, do they find delight or do you just become some miserable fun sucker? No, you don't. There's a new source of pleasure and delight that a person of God has, and it's in God, it's in his word. So let's look at what that is, because frankly, over our weeks reading, over our course of going through the Bible in a year, we've been reading one of the, um, one of the places that a person of God finds delight, the Bible. You know, it's a book that um, the world does not enjoy reading, but a person of God says that, you know, I get more out of this than I get out of any other book. And I certainly get more out of it than I would get out of any TV show, you know? So you, when you're a person of God, you delight in the law of God. A righteous person is one who delights to read the Bible. It means that you love it. You know, you breathe it essentially. It shapes your thinking. You're not biblical if you can quote the text, but you are if you think the way the Bible does. If you're so steeped um, in the word of God because you've planted it in your heart that you can't help but approach the problems of your life through that lens, you're looking. It's begun to renew your mind. You, you're being transformed by the word of God. It's in you. And so the righteous have learned not only to make time for people, but to make time for God, you know, to learn to meditate. And it's interesting that many people in our Western world have taken up yoga, you know, and other forms of meditation. But the, me the key to meditation is not just meditation. You know, tying your legs in knots and um, sitting there for half an hour doesn't do much good in it of itself, maybe exercise of stretching of some sort, but not spiritually. The key to meditation is what you meditate upon. You could have a horrible silence that is empty and fruitless because there's nothing really in your mind. And if you're not seeking the one true living God while you've emptied your mind, if that's not who you're seeking while you're meditating, then you've really even opened yourself to the demonic realm. The word for meditate in Hebrew, it literally means to talk to yourself. Do you do much of that? You know, you can learn how to talk through a passage of scripture. You can train yourself in doing that when you're talking to yourself. That's meditating on the word. You're going back through it in your mind. The Bible isn't supposed to be read, you know, as some 10 verses a day, keep the devil away kind of thing. And then it's done. The important thing is that you can take your Bible and you can sit and meditate on it. You know, can, can you talk to yourself about it? Can you say, now, what in the world does that mean? And what verse um, links up with this? And why is that word used there? And what has this got to say to me? How does this apply to me and what's the context of this who was being spoken to originally so that i don't misunderstand what's being said so i first know how to apply that word and even how to now apply it to me but seeing it truly for what was intended in the first place you know talk to yourself and then keep talking until you get answers because 
the Lord will be involved with that as you're meditating on his word. You, you can express it as even talking to God and asking those questions, you know, to him. The Bible says to keep on knocking, keep on asking, keep on seeking. And so that is meditation. That is what you do when you're meditating. The righteous person lear has learned to do that is what we see in this psalm. But let's look at the other side of the picture. The beginning of verse four is very negative, but not so with the wicked. Who are these wicked people? What does God mean by wicked? Well, he means something different from the world's meaning. Because when we say wicked, we think of a criminal or somebody who's terribly perverted. We say, oh, it's wicked, but we never actually probably say that of ourselves. You know, so I think that it is important that we really consider what is God's definition of wicked. The word in the Hebrew is a synonym, and it means ungodly, a person who lives without God. That's all you need to do to be wicked. Just ignore God. That's what God means by wicked people who basically take the life that he gave them. Um, he gave them this life that he might have their love. We know what he wanted in exchange for this life. And, you know, they've never given that love to him. That's wicked in God's sight. People who live as if there is no God that's in heaven that cares for them, that's wicked. So we need to see that the laws of God, that we either will delight um, in them now as we read them, or we will hear them read to us later. Everyone's going to read the law of God someday. They're going to read it or hear it. We either read them now as guidelines to our life and delight in them, or one day God's going to say to us that we've broken his law. And the Bible says that the wicked will not stand in the day of judgment. So Psalm 1 is a simple psalm. You know, really, it's so simple that I'm sure that I've probably pointed out very little that you didn't already know before. But one final thing that hits me kind of hard in verses 1 to 3 the way of the righteous is described in terms of one person, um, which is the man. But in verses four to six, the way of the wicked is described, uh, described in terms of a crowd, which is sinners. You know, so why is there this contrast? And I think that there are two simple facts. First, that the righteous are a minority. You know, you may be the only one in your house only one in the place that you work, in your neighborhood maybe, and you may have to stand alone. Blessed is the man, blessed is the person, just one person who will walk in the way of the Lord. You know, you, are, you and the Lord um, are the majority. That's plain and simple how it is. If God is for you, who can be against you? The way of the crowd is the broad way, and the Bible says many there be that find it. So, what we see here is if you want human company, go the way of the wicked. If you want lots of friends, go the way of the wicked. Because the Bible tells us that friendship with the world is enmity to God. There's no middle way. So you'll be one in a crowd. Um, that's what we know for sure if we're going to be pursuing the path of righteousness. But the second fact is that it'll have to be a personal decision all on your own. You can't just join a group and say, here are the righteous. You know, the sinners 
um, the Bible says can't stand in the congregation of the righteous. So that person's got to take a fundamental step themselves. You've got to turn to God's law. That person's got to turn to the Lord. And so do you notice where Jesus is mentioned in this psalm as well, in these verses, one, one through six? It says, the Lord knows the way. And I just want to point out that, you know, before Christianity was called Christianity, do you know that it was called the way? But there's something else too, because on the night that Jesus died, when Thomas didn't know where the way was and how to walk in it, Jesus said, I am the way. This is the way of righteousness. No one can walk this way outside of Jesus Christ. The other psalm I wanted to share a little bit on is Psalm 22, and just wanted to bring up some points to consider and ask. Um, I know Queen Elizabeth has passed away. What would you think if prior to Queen Elizabeth's passing, if she had composed an anthem for the West, Westminster Abbey every, every single Sunday? And I'm just trying to put it in perspective that that was the privilege of the king of Israel and the choir master must have had a pretty good task in keeping up. You know, psalm after psalm poured out from David's pen, from his lips and from his stringed instruments. He was a songwriter and his songs, you know, they're still in the charts, you know, the Christian charts, uh, you know, after 3000 years. But the choir master never got a greater shock than when Psalm 22 was given to him to sing the following Sabbath. And I really believe that David himself got a terrible shock, shock when he composed it. The feelings expressed in this particular Psalm are so real, but the facts were not. It's in two halves. And in the first half, a man is sinking to the depths of human sadness. He's being hurt so terribly, you know, just hurt physically tortured he's being mentally humiliated he's being socially outcast and he's been spiritually desolated and then in the second half he's so happy that he wants to share it with the whole world it's the words of a dying man that we're reading here so how can a dying man achieve happiness under these kind of circumstances that are being described the feelings though they're so real that you'd, you'd actually have to have like a granite heart if you can't see that. Um, but David, the point is that he never went through any of it. There was no situation in his life that corresponded to these facts that are in such detail. So the thing that he described it didn't happen, as we know, until a thousand years later, when it happened to one of David's descendants, Jesus. But how could David know the feelings and facts that Jesus would go through? And I just think it's interesting to think about it because we know God revealed it. It was a miracle. There's no natural explanation, but there is a supernatural explanation. And it's so extraordinary that if you're not a Christian, you're not going to believe it. Just a miraculous revelation from God who knows the future as well as the past. And so it's something even more remarkable than that. And this is the one part I wanted to point out that's in the New Testament for us as well. It, it's the fact that David's descendant, who Jesus, who was going to go through all of this 1,000 years later, he was alive when David wrote the psalm because Jesus was later going to say, before Abraham was, I am. 
And here's the scripture in first Peter that I think is amazing to tie that in. It says regarding this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace of God that was intended for you searched carefully and inquired about this future way of salvation, seeking to find what person or what time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he foretold the sufferings of Christ and the glories destined to follow. It was revealed to them that their services, their prophecies regarding grace, were not meant for themselves, for their time, but for you. And these things, the death, resurrection, and glorification of Jesus Christ, which have now been told to you by those who preach the gospel to you by the power of the Holy Spirit, who was sent from heaven into these things, even the angel, angels long to look. I just think that that is amazing that we've got this, again, just affirmation from the Holy Spirit in the New Testament that it's the Spirit of Christ was within them foretelling them the sufferings of Christ. And that's what was happening. This is where we see the explanation of what was happening when David was writing that Psalm 22. Just how incredible, you know, that the Lord was giving us, you know, for those who were the end of the age would come upon, he gave us these prophetic things to look into. He gave us so much that the early church didn't even have, you know, just how blessed we are to have the Bible, you know, to have these things and that the Lord saw throughout, you, you know, time and he prepared this for us in this way for people that had not yet um, been, you know, it says that they, it wasn't for those he was revealing it to, but for you, for you, we're supposed to be looking into the prophetic writings. They were written for you for us to be able to see God and then for, to be able to see his time clock, to be able to see his plan. You know, I read a Psalm today in our reading and sadly I cannot recall which particular Psalm that it was, but um, it, it was along the lines of saying something because I, I can't even remember it word for word, but I loved it so much. I highlighted it. Let me just see if I can find my highlight. Those who love the Lord, he reveals his covenant to them. I just, I'm telling you, I just love that because that's how I personally feel. You know, I just feel like this is what it means when he says, call unto me and I will reveal to you great and mighty things that you do not know. You know, call unto me. It's, he says, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. But he's promised that he will reveal what he means in this covenant. And this is what we've been learning about, you know, as we've been journeying through the scriptures together. I, I feel certain with most all of you on the call, because I've just heard testimonies and we've we've had an opportunity to get to know one of another, most of us. But it's you can see this happening amongst our group when in the hearts of each one, you know, that the Lord is revealing what he means. He's revealing his covenant. That's so reassuring to me. But back to back to um, what I'm sharing here from these particular Psalms, I just wanted to close with Psalm 26, because again, it is really reiterating, bringing confirmation to how we started in Psalm 1 um, with this, the point over not sitting in the uh, seat with the scoffers and to not taking counsels of, of the ungodly. But, but let me just read the word. Declare me innocent, O Lord for I have acted with integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. 
Test my motives in my heart, for I am always aware of your unfailing love, and I have lived according to your truth. Here's the key here. I do not spend time with liars or go along with hypocrites. I hate the gatherings of those who do evil, and I refuse to join in with the wicked. I wash my hands to declare my innocence. And now, after he has said that, I come to your altar, O Lord, singing a song of thanksgiving and telling of all your wonders. I love your sanctuary, Lord, the place where your glorious presence dwells. Don't let me suffer the fate of sinners. Don't condemn me along with murderers. Their hands are dirty with evil schemes, and they constantly take bribes. But I'm not like that. I live with integrity. So redeem me and show me mercy. Now I stand on solid ground, and I will publicly praise the Lord. Now we know that David, he had sinned greatly with murder and adultery, but he had been redeemed of the Lord. He had been cleansed and he believed and trusted in Jesus Christ for his sanctification that he could stay, say in this way, I'm innocent because he believed and knew that he was putting on the garment of righteousness with the blood of Jesus and that he had exchanged um, with the Lord his wickedness for Jesus's righteousness. This is the same position that we each have Every morning when his mercies are new, as we are washed fresh in the blood of the lamb and, and as we abide in his word. And so with all of that, I'm going to just um, stop sharing and open it up for discussion and just ask you, you know, where I where I resonated or where I found something that resonated in that predominantly for me was the advice that we're given over not spending time, not spending time with the wicked, not listening to the voices of their wisdom, the worldly wisdom uh, and so forth, you know, and there can be much confusion because especially even in the church, there's people that say, well, you know, Jesus ate with the sinners, you know, he, he sat with the drunkards and yeah, but you know, he didn't go continue to go with them. He said, go and sin no more. And they either followed him from that point on. He didn't continue to, to, you know, stay in their place. They had to come with him. They had to move on and leave all of that. And he said, he, you, you know, the one who's not worthy to take up or willing to take up their cross and die to themselves daily is not worthy of being my disciple, he said. So there's so much mixed up theology that's out there and it can have us confused over how are we to walk wisely, you know, in the world? How are we to walk amongst, you know, friends that we have that are ungodly? Maybe we're trying to minister to them along the way, but it, you know, there, is there a point where they're not responding and there's a hardness of heart and are we supposed to continue and continue just indefinitely? Obviously, it's a question for the Lord, but we do know that the scriptures made it plain to us that we aren't to sit in the seat of scoffers. We're not to, you know, like make this our, our, our habit because the reality is, I think it's for our own good. I think the Lord's give a, given us this wisdom because he says, don't get so close to the edge in the New Testament. It says, don't get so close to the edge that you fall in yourself, you know, and we are, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. You know, and so it's for our own protection that the Lord wants us to surround ourselves with godly people because you become like what you hang around. And so we are intended to be a light and a lamp to the world, to 
you know, um, illuminate light in the darkness for sure. But I believe we're to follow the example of Jesus and Paul and the disciples who they continued on in, in the things of God. They didn't go sit down in the den of wickedness and stay there, you know, and especially for those who aren't willing to move on into um, walking in the ways of righteousness. And so I wanted to just ask uh, what your what your thoughts are on that. And if, you know, I believe it's just a struggle of humanity that we have because we, you know, Paul even said um, when he was talking about judging um, between the, the righteous and the unrighteous, he says, I'm not talking to you about the world. He said, otherwise you'd have to come out of the world. I'm talking to you about the church. And he was talking about those who are professing to be Christian. They're professing to follow Jesus, but they're continuing in willful sin. He says, don't even share a meal with them. You know, so we know that we know that, but then there's the other side of, okay, well, you know, is it okay that we have ungodly friends? And so I just wanted to have that discussion. I don't have all the answers here tonight. I just wanted to open it up and, and just see where the Lord leads us in, in this um, talk tonight. You know, um, when we when we make a change, we, I've always heard that you have to find new playground and new playmates. Um, as much as we want to change people, they have to want to change themselves. I, I know for me, I can't, um, I can't um, live a life that I'm intended to live as a Christ follower and follow behind people that are not. I can give them the advice or give them direction. It's up to them to decide to want to take that. A, a lot to be said, but I, I think through the years, you, we, all, we probably all had friends that we had to finally let go because um, they're not going in the right direction. And, and as many times, as much as you would like to go in these places and change people, I've found through the years that if you stay too long, they tend to change you. And that's not the direction that I would want to go into. And so, um, unfortunately, you definitely have to walk away from some of the people that were probably once in your life that's not following the path. It's true. And it's not an easy thing to do. It's really not an easy thing to do because, you know, we love our friends. You know, we do. And that's a good thing. But so I believe that there's a process also of separation where we can seek the Lord asking for his help in um, removing the ungodly from our lives. And that's something I've done in my life, you know, as well, and probably even need to do it at, at times, even in the future, you know, but just praying and asking God for his help um, in showing me those people that it's time to make a separation. Um, and then also having him help with that separation, because I think, you know, when we lean on him for that, it can you know, help us to, um, to do it in a way that might not cause a, an offense or, um, you know, if he, if he's in the midst of it, helping us not to hurt someone else's walk, even if they may not be responding to the Lord. Now, we also don't want to hurt their walk for, for when they might come back around and respond to the Lord as well. So I don't know, anyone else have thoughts that you want to share? I, I totally understand the concept of us not being Jesus and and not being uh, not being able to change people, and you know, uh, my pastor would always tell me that, you know, it is our work to, and it has been said here plenty of times. It is our job to plant the seed and 
and maybe water at a point in time and trust that God will cause the increase. But I'm also, we are reminded that Jesus said that greater things than these he would do, we would do because he goes to the father. I mean, referring to the work that he did on earth. And if we just abide in him and he abide in us and we uh, like Pastor Christus said, Sister Christus said, you know, just meditate on his word and receive divine revelation. Uh, I think those things can be imparted in other people's lives as we live uh, according to the word of God. Um, but I, I <clears throat> uh, you know, Sister Christus said a lot of very powerful things this evening. And that is a personal challenge uh, of mine. And not only in my family, uh, but as I've watched many of my friends go through and I counsel my children in the same light. Uh, be really careful who you hang around with, because as uh, you know, it was so beautifully said, you know, it's either they change you or or you 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 change them. But um, are you built up like Jesus was built up is the question I always ask myself, because the Bible often talked about his his commitment to God, uh, the father and his habits that really demonstrated his commitment. Bible says a great while before day, he rose up in the morning and prayed. I mean, he was constantly in the presence of the father. And so we know the source of his strength was the Holy Spirit, which really gave him the ability to do everything he was able to do on the earth. The question is like, you know, is, is, is do we go in thinking we cannot, meaning relying on self, or do we go in believing that through the Holy Spirit, we can, amen. And um, as it pertains to, you know, friendship, and uh, not hanging around, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, ungodly counsel and, you know, fellowshipping with people who claim to, you know, know the Lord and yet you see them in willful sin. I have to say, before I joined the army, I was in the state of Maryland. And I mean, that was our life every weekend. We go to work. We work so hard during the week. And by the time the weekend comes in, we are ready for the next house party. And oftentimes the things that happened there were not godly or, or God, God, the things that happened there were not pleasing to God. And here I am, I leave Maryland, join the army and I go and I, I expose myself to different parts of the United States of America. And it so happened that God meets me in a place where he needs to meet me in the state of Washington. And I began, and I began to grow in him. And typically what happened in my life is my circle began to shrink because I realized that the people that I would hang around, it's either they would have the same measure of fire for the Lord or, 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 or we would be on the same journey growing together. And, and it's like, if you, di if you didn't have that level, it's like, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't find any need of fellowship with you. It's like, I, I didn't find any need to, 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 to walk with you because then I knew that, you know, somehow, somehow you will quench the fire that the Lord had put in me. And so it is a reality, my dear brothers and sisters, truly, truly, it is a reality. When we talk about ungodly friends that we keep in our, in our, in our fellowship, truly, truly, it's amazing how sin is enticing. It's just a matter of time when that sin is, keeps being presented to you for you to fall for it. And I have learned to keep my circle really small. I mean, we are going back to Maryland. Today, they actually just came and picked up our household goods. We are going back to Maryland. And I'm just really in my heart asking God, please, I know I'm going back there, but let my light shine brighter than the darkness that I left, that you took me out from, and that I shouldn't compromise your word. Let familiarity not cause me to go back into my old ways, you know? And for that to happen, I believe 
uh, you know, organizations like this that the Lord has risen up like Torah of truth, staying in the word in the word of God and continuing to uh, uh, have a, a fellowship with you all would really help strengthen me and help the ministry that God has apportioned to each and every one of us, the ministry of reconciliation, to go out into the world and just preach the gospel and be on fire for the Lord. So, yeah. That's a little bit of uh, what I well, thank you, Sister Christie, for everything that you have taught us this evening. It's really powerful. I mean, you really hit the needle on the head today as far as what I teach my children every day. And I try to discipline myself to do on a day to day basis. Amen. The Holy Spirit is so amazing. Kim and I were texting back and forth because I felt the nudge to call her and everything you're talking about. I was spitting out on the phone and when I hung up with her, I thought, why did I say all that stuff? And then you're saying all of these things. And it there, there's a teaching by David Wilkerson called Your Friends Matter to God. And I heard it a couple of years ago, Your Friends Matter to God by David Wilkerson. It's, it's a really powerful teaching. But what Terrence said, I prayed, I had many different friends, all friends, and I always talked about Jesus. And sometimes I would even cry with these friends when I found out what they really thought, because I would come out and say, what do you really think? Where, what is your belief? And when I would find out, I would instantly cry and, and actually grieve the friendship before it ended but I had to walk away. The beautiful thing is, is when you do it through Christ, he lets it just end and there haven't been hard feelings. And he does it in such a beautiful way because I don't wanna hurt their walk if they come back around. Uh, but it is so important that we choose wisely. And I've heard Jesus say that to me, choose wisely. And, and no to say no. Um, this walk is so important and distractions come from all over. And if we're there to help them for a season, we just have to know how long that is. So just everything you said tonight, it was so beautiful and Holy Spirit driven, it always is. And, and I can't believe that everything you said, I was just saying and saying to a store owner, um, and and what I was not received well, but I spit it out and it didn't go over well. Uh, but I thought if I was silent, then I was agreeing. So I'm learning. I'm clumsy in these shoes of preaching the word, but I am trying. So but praise the Lord. Thank you, Krista. Thank you, um, my brothers and sisters. So grateful. Amen, Chantel. Thank you for sharing all of that. You know, it is amazing the confirmation that the Holy Spirit will bring when he's got a timely word for us. And so I do believe that this is important because I think, you know, we are certainly in a time and a season where we know um, wickedness is increasing in the earth. And so that just means there's going to become more and more ungodly. And even those who might have professed the Lord that began falling backwards. And so we've got to stay firmly rooted, grounded, and surrounded with like-minded believers um, as we continue to go out and be the light in the world. Jed. Um, want to just respond to a couple of things. Number one, really love Psalm 1 and what you're bringing about the word of God. And, and I really feel the Holy Spirit's emphasizing that for us because, you know, in today's climate, 
um, the lack of respect that God's word receives in a culture. We have to understand we're swimming 24 hours a day, seven days a week in a toxic swamp of misinformation, deception, disinformation, mocking and scoffing the very words of God. When the Bible has been upheld in every test that human beings can throw at it, uh, archaeological, histor historical, you know, it, it, the scriptures are proven to be the word of God over and over and over and over again. And so just to, to camp out there, which is obviously what was at the very heart of why we called Bread for the Journey uh, into uh, kind of a community coming, coming forth, you know, the Holy Spirit centered us on, on the word. So I love what you're saying there about the, the wise man who builds his house uh, there and camps out in the word versus the ungodly who just live according to their own light, their own understanding. Second thing I just wanted to touch on is, is the use of the word friend, you know, and I'm just putting this out as a, you know, what if, and would love to hear your guys' thoughts too. But I think, you know, right now we live in the day and age of a Facebook friend where that word friend is very common and very over-familiar. And what we really mean is it's somebody that we are, have crossed paths with, they're an acquaintance, or it could be your, your most intimate covenant partnership on, on earth, but it's the same word that we're using to describe a very, very casual acquaintance all the way through to a very intimate um, soulmate or partner. Um, and I think biblically, what does the Bible mean when, when we use the word friend? And when we talk about, I think sometimes when we're talking about struggling with people who are coming from a completely different perspective than we are, that we're in relationship with, maybe they're members of the family, maybe they're colleagues at work, and we care about these people and we're in relationship with them, but I don't know if, if the Bible would say they are your friend. I think that that word is much more exclusive than our culture is using that term. In fact, I would go so far as to say that it's a covenantal term, that not everyone that you're in acquaintance with would be your covenant friend, um, that there's, it's very exclusive terminology, but we live in a day and age where that, that term has been so watered down now to encompass so many people in your circle um, and what are your expectations for a covenant, for a covenant friendship versus expectations with someone that you're just an acquaintance with are, are two very, very different things that we need to actually define terms. And, and so that we understand what our duty is, what does the Lord want us to do in, a, in with an acquaintance versus somebody that we are in deep covenant friendship with. I think these are two entirely different things, but we're using the same term for both relationships with which i think can really confuse issues so i hope that makes sense but just wanted to throw that out there see what you guys thought yeah no i think that's good because i think it's good again to meditate upon what you're saying um with regard to uh you know those categories of friendship because you're right it's not a true friend when we're talking about all the loose associations but those that are in our inner circle i love what terrence said earlier too that you know as he began having more god i think it was that he as he had began having more godly friends he found himself really only wanting to spend time with people that actually do have those things in common you know and i find myself that way as well like I, I, I do, um, I'm inclusive from the aspect of kindness, kindness to everyone and, um, you know, um, getting to know people, giving people an opportunity to 
you know, to be, being able to have some discernment and, and experience people, you know, so that we're not just closed off, but at the same time, um, you know, walk, walking, listening to the Lord and definitely listening to the discernment as we go in choosing who I want to spend my time with, you know, and really, because we only have so many hours in a day, the Lord even says, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I only have so much time. So I really want to invest my time wisely with not just only believers, because obviously we've still got to be a light in the world, but the majority of my intimate time where I'm fellowshipping and um, getting advice and just enjoying meals, that's the, you know, those are the people that I want to have those things in common with that we're on the same path. And so, um, and it's a beautiful thing, you know, when the Lord, and I have found actually, when I closed my circle to several people that I used to spend a lot of time with, that I found that the Lord actually has sent me some friends and they're friends that maybe I wouldn't have found on my own, but the Lord caused paths to cross. And I love it when God brings me friends, because sometimes I also think it's probably not even someone that I would have necessarily naturally connected with on my own, but in God's providence, he's, he makes these friendships happen. And it's the most beautiful thing. I, I just love it. It's, he does such a better job in picking than I do. So. I mean, I, I would just like to say, uh, just to caveat on what Pastor Jed said, you know, about what friendship really means. Let's remind ourselves what Jesus said, what the Bible says about Jesus, that, <clears throat> that he, you know, what greater love has man than this, that a man would die for his friends. You know, that is another level of friendship that when we, you know, call people friends, we should understand how powerful that is. And we want to emulate what Jesus did in response to his friendship. He was willing to die for his friends. So, it's a very strong word. And, and like Pastor Jed said, we have really, really watered it down and everyone just calls it at will and really doesn't understand what it really means to be a friend. So just wanted to add that. Thank you for sharing. Um, all your thoughts really blessed me. You know, when I was, um, before knowing the Lord or really accepting the Lord, I was really in the world, you know, partying and all the stuff. And um, interesting when I, when my friends knew that I was getting baptized, um, they were like whispering among themselves. And then following week, uh, we were all as supposed to go to a discotheque and all the stuff. And they went a lot, uh, went without taking me. And in fact, I introduced all these discotheques. And I asked them, why, why you didn't call me? You know, and they said, no, now you are baptized. So you cannot follow us. And they, I was surprised, oh, now I'm baptized, so I cannot go. And then I started questioning the Lord. And God is very good because he explained to me about Psalm 1. And he said, there has to be a separation. And in fact, even in creation, he showed me about the day and night, there's separation. Then the wheat and the tear, there's separation. Um, then when I, and um, I went to this church, the Catholic church, and um, somehow the Lord led me there, and um, and um, somehow he preserved me, but when, and that's where I met my husband, and it was time for us to leave the church. Nobody came with us. We were alone. 
and um, it was initially from separation after separation when as we walk closer to the lord uh, initially i was feeling sad you know but as time went on i realized it's an opportunity to really cling on to the lord and questioning him and asking him but today i want to be alone because that time being with him is something very special and that's when the lord showed me about moses when he received the covenant he was alone in the desert with the lord and when even for david when he was taking care of the sheep that's how alone away from his brothers and that's where he he received the insight he strengthened his relationship with the lord and uh, i also agree with pastor chad when um, thank you pastor chad for sh sharing because i'm put in another situation now and um, being a pastor and i feel like my call is to be there for my sheep shepherd them make, making sure that your word they are so rooted on the word and i know there is there will come a time because there's a mixture a lot of mixture in in the the ministry i'm serving but at the same time i feel the sheep that the lord has brought me to he wants me to be there and guide them but i know like what krista was telling sometimes too long instead of we guiding them we make compromise and um, and i i also know that the lord is actually when when you make the separation he always brings the right person at the right time and I like to thank uh, to to her fruit because this is something the Lord really is helping me to discern. The, the road is narrow, but it's leading me to life. And it's like, yes, I can see who are my friends. I can see who are who are the enemies very clear. But I really need time because at the right time i have to make the move because there are few who are really counting on me for direction you know it's like the, the scripture that i get is where when this when the sower sowed the seed and then the next day there were a lot of you know the the tear around and um and the lords and the servants they say should we pull it off they said no wait wait at the right time and um i i just want to know when is the right time and if that's a question then that's certainly a question for the lord because he knows the hearts of those that you're referring to he knows the soil and um and he's with you there's no doubt pastor shira and so um you know we just can pray for you for stronger discernment to hear the lord and what he's saying and his timing and to bring you confirmation 
um, of, of what his will is, and even that he would bring the separation, that he would make, you know, that that separation happen without you trying to figure it all out if you if you're not sure because we know that the lord's not the author of confusion and so you know if you don't know what to do then you just continue doing what you're doing until you hear from the lord um and then and sometimes though you know i think where we hear from the lord is in his word and we need to sometimes take courage to do what he's called us to do because he'll confirm it in our heart when we read that word. We don't necessarily have to get another word from him audibly. We can read it and then just have a, a sense of discernment that this, of the timing, you know, that this is what he's speaking to me now. So I believe that there's no one that can answer that for, for you or for anyone else as, as it relates to when is the time to make that separation, but the Lord will reveal it. I believe he will, you know, if we're asking for his help, he'll give it, you know, he says, if you ask me for bread, will I give you a stone? He's a good father. <laughs> He's going to Yeah. Amen. Well, I, thank you for sharing. Thank, That's yes. a precious testimony, you know, and it's again, all just affirming, the, the truth of the word of the Lord, you know, that all of these things are true because we are as living stones. We all have this resonating testimony within us over our journeys and um, talking about needing to separate and um, just our own acknowledgement of the word of the Lord being true, rigging true through our own experiences. Krista, thanks. Thanks for tonight. Um, you know, I, there, there's so much I, I want to say, um, but I, I think I need to just think more than anything uh, and, and meditate and ask the Lord to uh, speak to me on these things. Uh, but that, that is a, a, a question that I have really struggled with for many, many years in terms of um, knowing when to cut off um, the worldly friend um, as opposed to just continuing uh, in, in relationship with them. Um, and, and seeing what, if anything, uh, can change in terms of the witness of my own life. Um, and, and so I, I definitely haven't found uh, the answer yet. I think maybe it is a case-by-case -case basis, and uh, we seek the Lord and let him, and let him determine it for us um, as his Holy Spirit guides. Uh, but I, I was really struck by Psalm 1 tonight, uh, and what jumped out at me was the observation that you made uh, regarding the singular uh, aspect of the godly person and the plural of the sinner uh, of the ungodly and 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 just how real that is the reality is that uh, so often when we choose the road of following the lord it is a lonely road, um, yet yet we're happy, right? I mean, it's how how is it that we're happy uh, in in our in our singular purpose, our singular focus? Um, but I, I've been really thinking, and Jed knows a lot about this. Um, I, I've shared some of it with him. But uh, my older son, he's 17, uh, and he's at the at a stage where uh, he he finds himself, um, you know, home alone on many Friday and Saturday nights. And he has plenty of, quote, friends, um, but, you know, he doesn't 
doesn't really want to do the things that they're doing. Um, and, and so like trying to get them to understand, you know, you can have friends even if you don't do the things they do. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know, he, he is on his own trying to uh, navigate that process. And, you know, my heart has, has ached for him so many times uh, when, you know, he'll look at his uh, Instagram or Snapchat, whatever it is they use uh, and see that, you know, a group of his friends uh, are all in one location uh, and he's trying to text them and, you know, isn't getting any response. Um, but, you know, it's, it's the reality of, of walking with the Lord sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to walk it alone and there, there is a plurality in sin. Um, and, and often, like I said, just following the Lord can keep you alone uh, at times. And so, uh, I don't know, just so, so thought provoking Krista. Uh, and so I just thank God for, for your heart and for you hearing him tonight, because you've definitely given me, uh, some things to really pray into uh, and see what the Lord would say. Amen. You know, I think there's um, there's really a depth of um, the intimacy with God as as this has been, you know, said already, but in just this alone time, you know, it's really just getting comfortable with alone because most of the world can't stand to be alone. You know, most people, Um, are always needing noise, or if not the radio or the TV or something happening, you know, people do, you know, if not in one relationship to another, to another, they just can't be alone. It's a really wonderful place when the Lord gets us to the place where we just want him, you know, and we really just can be quiet, you know, even, but it's a discipline we see in the word it is a discipline because David, we've talked about this before, but it says that he um, he set before the Lord like a weaned child. He had to discipline his body like a weaned child, you know, because like a, an unruly child as a two or three year old, you could see if you're if the mom's wanting to talk to someone, the two or three year old could be over there on the leg saying, mom, 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 you know, but a weaned child is no longer doing that you know, can just, and so we just see that it was like, he was, he learned to train himself to sit before the Lord and to wait on him. And, you know, it's just, I think that's a really beautiful aspect that's come out tonight too, is just being able and even desiring to just be alone with him, you know, and just be intimate with the father, because we can, we can keep the noise going, even while we're reading the Bible, we can always have something and um, read the Bible and then on to the next thing, but really we can't miss out on that part of it as well. You know, in our walk with the Lord is really just making time. I think the, that meditation part in Psalm one to meditate, because that's just you and him, that's you and him in your mind and the quiet and the silence, no radio on just being with the Lord. Um, it's a, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful time with him to just sit with him. Well, anyone else? I don't want to just keep speaking for the sake of it. I mean, give some floor time away. <laughs> and uh, Sister Krista, I really want to say that I, um, when you said um, about the meditation, I, I don't, I don't know. And you know, as I was just thinking about it, I'm just, you know, just sensing God's love for me. I, I'm, <laughs> I'll be truthful when I say that every time I spend 
just a bit of time meditating. And oftentimes it doesn't take long for me. I just sit down and I just think of a word and the revelations just come pouring. Like for me, my personal experience, it doesn't take the Lord. It doesn't take for me a long time for the Lord to start pouring out the messages that are in his, the, the revelations that are in his word. And, and I just, I, you know, sometimes I, I, I beat myself why I don't meditate often on his word, you know, and, uh, and it is always a beautiful thing to receive something anew from the Lord, how you can read one passage and then every time he can show you something different that really can impact your life in a, in a positive way. Amen. The verse that came to me was Matthew 6, 6. Um, and I just see the ESV but version. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So the secret place, we all need a secret place. But I do want to say one more time, that teaching, David Wilkerson, your friends matter to God. Um, please listen to that if you you are wondering about friendships. It, it really will help you. It helped me weed out um, through Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, David, we have to remember as well, he was a worshiper. You know, and so where we get most of the Psalms um, were from this heart of worship. So again, that's that intimate secret place that we're talking about. So, so important. You know, another thing that um, I'm reminded of, um, just as we were going through this tonight, was what Jed said last week when he talked about the unsanctified loyalty that Jonathan seemed to have with his father, King Saul, that ultimately ended um, in his death with, you know, he died with King Saul as a result of what seemed to be some unsanctified loyalty. And again, you know, it's another just example coming back to that with, um, you know, where we, where, who we need to spend our time with. And are we going to sit with the godly? Are we going to continue to press on with the ungodly, despite the fact that God has told us that, that blessed is the man who doesn't, you know? So there's like, it's holding us back from blessedness if we do. And so it's like, we might not realize what we're missing out on because we're choosing these unsanctified relationships in our life. We're choosing to keep them there, but blessed is the man who doesn't do it. You know, so it's another perspective. It's just another way to think about what we might actually be missing out on that the Lord has for us, the goodness of the Lord, because he's promised a blessing to those who will keep his word. Terrence, would you be willing to close us out in prayer? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the revelation of your holy word, oh God. It is amazing, Abba, Father, that we can read from the words of Psalms chapter one, maybe two or three chapters down and receive just so much from you. Oh God, we thank you because we know that your words are words of life. Oh Lord, we thank you because your word orders our steps in the right way when we choose to live according to it. And Father, I just thank you for um, just the revelation that you gave through your servant, Sister Krista, Lord, I, I pray a blessing upon her life, oh God. And Lord, I pray that you would meet her in her point of need, uh, where she needs your strength, where she needs, Lord, your divine revelation, where she needs your guidance, Lord, Lord God, that you would be there for her. 
to lead her in the way that she should go. And Father, as it pertains to the word that you have given us this evening, for everyone who has heard this word, Lord, we pray that it will bear fruits in their lives, fruits that are worthy of repentance. That, Lord, when you show them the way, they should repent and walk on the path that you have set for them. Lord God, we thank you for your word. For your words are precious, Lord. It was so precious to David that he hid it in his heart so that he may not sin against you. Oh God, I pray that that is the same response we should have this evening as we have received from you that which is divine, holy, and perfect. Because Lord, when we compare your word to the, to the world, oh God, it is so littered with deceptions, lies, and all kinds of wicked intents. But Lord, we know that you have given us your word that we might know the way to salvation, which is in your son, Jesus Christ. So Father, help us to be wise, oh God, as we choose who we decide to walk with, oh God. May we not walk with the counsel of the ungodly because we know that bad company corrupts good manners and you have said it in your word, oh Lord. Oh Father, so we pray for each and every one of us here, Lord God, that we will stand for your word. For in this day and age where everyone, like Pastor Jed said, is blaspheming your word and there is so much disrespect for your holy word. Father, may we be those who will say no to evil and say yes to righteousness. As you have called us to righteousness, Lord, Lord God, may we live according to it. So Father, I thank you. I honor your name today, O oh Lord, because your name is holy. Godly Jews wouldn't even mention your name if they did not revere it. And so I pray, Lord God, that in everywhere we go, we will be good witnesses to who you are and that our friendships will testify that we walk together in unity and not in division. So, Father, I thank you. And all this I pray in Jesus' mighty name and with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Terrence. Praise the Lord. God bless all of you. We will look forward to seeing you hopefully Wednesday to join us for prayer if you're able. There's four opportunities. And then again next Monday. Shalom. 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 Um, shalom. Love everyone. Brothers. Shalom. 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 shalom.